Oh my, what a day. My goodness. I've preached under a lot of different circumstances, but this is a new one on me. My, my, my. What you may not be aware of is for Marietta City Schools, there is a motto that's been established for a long time. And that motto simply is, be somebody. And uh, I thought that this might be uh, applicable. I don't know, Dr. Revere, if you've ever heard this particular short poem. But it simply says, this is a story about four people named everybody, somebody, anybody, and nobody. There was an important job to be done, and everybody was sure that somebody would do it. Anybody could have done it, but nobody did it. Somebody got angry about that because it was everybody's job. Everybody thought anybody could do it, but nobody realized that everybody wouldn't do it. It ended up that everybody blamed somebody when nobody did what anybody could have. To be a somebody, sometimes you are seen as a nobody. And of course, the real moral of that is this, and that is we don't want nobody to do it, so we have to step up and be a somebody. The motto goes back to my understanding, Dr. Revere. It goes back when the schools were still segregated, and an African-American coach for the school, a football coach, came up with that statement, and you can... You can visualize that in your mind, can't you? Being out there on the practice field. Hey, be somebody. Make that tackle. Be somebody. Run with that ball. Be somebody. And, of course, when the schools finally integrated, it just became the motto all the way through. Today, if you know anything about Marietta City Schools, you will see us in our uniforms. And on the spirit day, we'll have our shirts. You know what it says? Be somebody. If you go into transportation on the wall, you can't miss it. Be some. It actually screams at you. Be somebody. It's quite a message in that, and it's always that reminder of being somebody. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Jeremiah chapter 18. Would you stand one more time as we read God's Word together? And those of you streaming, join with us. Some of you will recognize this passage it's simply entitled, The Potter and the Clay. It says, The word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord, Arise and go down to the potter's house, and there I will let you hear my words. So I went down to the potter's house, and there he was working at his wheel. And the vessel he was making of clay was spoiled in the potter's hand. And he reworked it into another vessel, as it seemed good to the potter to do. Then the word of the Lord came to me, O house of Israel, can I not do with you as this potter has done? Declares the Lord, behold, like the clay in the potter's hand, so are you in my hand, a house of Israel. If at any time I declare concerning a nation or a kingdom that I will pluck up and break down and destroy it, and if that nation concerning with, 
which I have spoken turns from its evil, I will relent of the disaster that I intended to do to it. And if at any time I declare concerning a nation or a kingdom that I will build and plant it, and if it does evil in my sight nor listening to my voice, then I will relent of the good that I had intended to do of it. Now, therefore, say to the men of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem, thus says the Lord, behold, I'm shaping disaster against you and devising a plan against you. Return, everyone from his evil way, and amend your ways and your deeds. But they say, this is all in vain. We will follow our own plans, and will everyone act according to the stubbornness of his own evil heart. You may be seated. God bless you. Simple message. A visual. I love visuals. You know how my brain works. We talk about this clay, this stubborn clay. In my hand, I've got some Play-Doh. And it just kind of reminds us of, of, even though it's not natural clay, it's flexible. It can be shaped in many different ways. The interesting thing about what Jeremiah saw that day is he watched a man or a woman maybe that day at the potter's wheel taking this thing called clay. Now, clay is something very simple. If you just, just go to a concordance or you go to a dictionary and you'll see that it says that it's hydrated silicates of aluminum. But what's interesting, where do we come in? We're not talking about a whole nation. We're just looking at individuals today. But when you look closer, you realize the very thing that was in the hands of that potter that day is the very same substance that God himself put together to create us. That's what we are. We know that Adam and Eve, as we call them today, was created from clay, hydrated silicates of aluminum, and were shaped. Of course, in the Hebrew, it tells us that God created Adam, both male and female. What we know today as men and women, one creation God created from something as simple as clay. That could be molded and shaped. If I had enough Play-Doh, I'd give it to all the students today and just let them come up with their own idea of how they would create. But this clay in this story tells us something that reminds us of us very much so. And that is clay is easily flawed. The picture that we have that day in that potter's house was as he was shaping it, Something that hadn't been revealed until deep into the molding of it finally showed up. Was it some other kind of aggregate that was there? Was it something just scarring it? But the potter had to take the time to break it down again and start all over. We like the word today, makeover, don't we? The clay had to be reworked. Today we understand reworking Sometimes it comes through surgery. Sometimes it comes through other things uh, as we have makeovers. But God sees us in the same light. The ability to shape us. The ability not only to create us, but to keep his hands on us and to keep shaping us and molding us. Obviously, I stand before you today. and Most of you know my age. And you know that I'm no longer... The teenager. I'm no longer the young married. 
I've got a few more years than just that. And yet the privilege that it is to realize that God's never forgot who I am. And he's never forgot who you are. And he's always working on us, always shaping us. And you know what he's found out about me? Sometimes he gets going and it's looking real good. It's like you're just about to the place that I'm going to use you in this season of your life. Oh, look, Randy, there's another flaw in your character. We got to work on that. And to put his hands on me again to say, this may hurt for a little while. You see, we get so conditioned, especially as we get older. The, the South Georgian says, what? Well, I'm sought in my ways. We get set in our ways. We want to keep it just the same. We don't ever want it to change. And yet God still realizes there's a work that I've got to do. So I've got to find someone that's willing to be a somebody. Just be somebody. To step up. And let him put his hand on us. Romans chapter 9 echoes what Isaiah said many times. The same reference. The potter and the clay. But here was the problem with that clay. It simply says the clay didn't want to hear what the potter was going to do. I want to do my own thing. Sound familiar? You see, Jeremiah had a tough job preaching it's like everything else. There's good days and bad days. It's not always easy to stand in the gap and make a difference. It's not always easy to be a somebody. You'd rather be a nobody for sure that day than to step up when everybody else ought to be stepping up. But nobody is. Somebody has to step up and make a difference. Jeremiah was given that visual. All right, Jeremiah, go preach the same message to them people. And as he gets to them, they're stopping him. Oh, this is just vain. It just Don't waste your time because we're not going to hear a word you say. We're going to do what we want to do. It's always a struggle. You see, the title that I gave the message today is that big wheel just keeps on turning. We typically use that expression with a wall clock in our mind. We're always talking about time. But could it be that that big wheel also represents the potter's wheel. It just keeps on spinning. It just keeps on spinning. In other words, there's always that opportunity for something to be added into our life, to shape us once again. My mother went home to be with the Lord five years ago. Of course, we know my father's still with us at 102. But my mother's the one that instilled in me, she said, son, don't get old in your thinking. She said, because once you're old, you're old for a long time. <laughs> so I remember that. It's just like preaching with Play-Doh in your hand. I just refused to get old in my thinking. Because you see, the Bible tells us to be childlike, that childlikeness that, yes, needs discipline. Yes, there are flaws, and you got to rework it again. But the willingness to say, okay, it's not over right here. Work on me. Give me another chance. When you get old, set in your ways, at times you say, it's not worth it anymore. You've lost hope. You become a nobody. But to be somebody. The thing about being a somebody is we miss out so many times. If we want that same routine, I, want it, I like where I am right now. I want it to just stay the same. I want it to stay the same. I want it to stay the same. And if I can kind of get in all everybody's, everybody's business for just a moment, our culture 
has now shaped us to where everything is about big events. We just live for the next big event and we miss out on the meantime. Well, I'll do that whenever the crowd is there. I'll do it. I'll be a somebody when everybody else is there. I'll be a somebody when it's at peak performance. And we miss out on the every day. Kim, I've thought about this a lot of times. I'm a person of reflection. I start my day off in prayer. Many times it's on that bus. I take out my anointing oil and I touch that steering wheel. Guide me today. Stay with me. But toward the, somewhere through the day, but particularly in the end of the day, I'm reflecting. Causing me to think about the next day. And if I can share this, maybe help somebody else along the way. You see, everything counts in a day. Every conversation that you have, every job, every task, every meeting, we get so caught up in, well, we're going to work on this, work on this, because it's all about that big event, and we miss out. Dr. Vera, I'll tell you what I learned as a youth pastor a long time ago. You work so hard on a youth event, a trip, and you charter the buses or you drive your own buses and you work on all the details and logistics and you get with the motels and you get the schedule, the itineraries and all that, and you, you get to the concert, you get to the Winterfest, you get to the beach, you get to whatever, and when you go back and reflect, you know what was the most important time for those students, those kids from your church? It was the bus ride. It was in line at Arby's to get another sandwich. It's the meantime where we build relationships most of the time. Because when the big event finally gets you, there's so much going on, you really don't get time, do you? That's a good place for an amen. I know we've got dignitaries in the house today, but it's okay for an amen. To be a somebody. And then to challenge ourselves. And every day, those meantime things, so trivial it seems at the time, those building blocks going towards something. And yes, big events can be fun. But again, just shaping that and thinking toward that. Of realizing I have opportunity to give. I have opportunity to share. Our culture is screaming for us to be somebody's that once again will be selfless, that will go against the tide of always having to be the center of attention and just stepping in and making a difference somewhere. And of all the things, I really think that if we just challenge yourself, what I do today, I want it to be memorable. There's so much that goes on in any given day. Have you ever gone home and you're talking to your spouse or your kids come home from school, or you're getting with the grandkids, and you ask, what'd you do today? Crickets. Nothing. They can't even remember because everything was blurred. It all come. Anybody with me? Somebody comes up, well, how was your week? What'd you do? Oh, well, you know, just the usual. And yet when you take time, oh my goodness, the components of that week and then to start becoming intentional of grace life, of the five core values of bullets, the last one is being intentional. 
to start praying, God, what I get involved in, I want to bring glory to you. But use me in your hand. Shape me. Put me on the potter's wheel again. And what I get involved in, I want to make a difference for you. I want to be memorable. I want that conversation to be memorable. I want it to go somewhere. It doesn't always have to be a ticker tape parade or sirens going off or horns blowing. But just realizing, at whatever age you are right now, when you think back through your day and your days, what is it that's the most memorable? When I do funerals and you get with family, or you tell me who this person was if I didn't get the privilege of knowing him personally very well. And again, it's amazing. 70 years of life, 80 years of life, and they can't come up with much. Well, they were loving. They were great grandma. Uh, 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 uh. And finally, if you have a memorial service where some of them speak, And they've had time to think about it again. You know what really stood out to me about mom or dad or grandpa or whomever, my best friend, my neighbor? They start talking about the meantime. It wasn't the big events. It's about they always did this. They always spent time doing this. They always stood for this. As I've said many times at funerals, no one can preach another person's funeral. We're doing that every day ourselves. The core values in us, the the things that we believe in, we're exhibiting it all the time. So again, we come back. As I come to a close, every day is a gift. Every day. You had a bad day today? There's another one tomorrow. I love what uh, Paul wrote to the Roman church. He said, Does the potter not have any say-so in the clay? In other words, yeah, he does. And you come back to realize that every day he's shaping and molding. Matter of fact, in Psalms 139, we know this passage well. We're fearfully, wonderfully created. But he took time to express it this way. He said, Lord, you know me so well, you know when I'm sitting down. You know when I get up. You know the words before I even speak them. You hem me in. You're before me and you're behind me. How how can we ever lose when God is that close at any given time? I mean, he's guarding me. Shield and buckler. Watching over. But the psalmist didn't stop there. He said, you know everything about me. Because your hand is upon me. Again, shaping and guiding. Finally, the psalmist came back and said this. It's just too wonderful. Would you stand with me today?